I, I like that. Okay. Good morning, gentlemen. So, uh, we are on Lamed Vav Amid Beis 36b at the bottom. And uh, we learned in the Mishnah a very interesting halacha and a very interesting opinion, Rabbi Yehuda. Until now in the Masechta, we've been going with the assumption that when a woman is captive, that she's no longer eligible to marry a Kohen, or if her husband's a Kohen, because they, they assaulted the women when they captured them. Whereas Rabbi Yehuda said that, no, they are Pekedusha, that the, uh, the women can be assumed that they are not, we don't assume that they've been assaulted. So, um, uh, the, uh, that's the, the, we're going to challenge that opinion, that this Rabbi Huda. We're trying to f- make it consistent with other cases. Do we assume that the women have not been assaulted, or do we not? What's the deal here? So we're going to start about ten lines up. A suburb Rabbi Yehuda, Bikdusha Kaima. Does Rabbi Yehuda hold? Now, by the way, we had one view, uh, which was in the name of Rabbah, that the reason of Rabbi Yehuda was we don't want to let anybody out of the penalty. If there's a man that uh, assaulted a woman, we don't want to say, well, how do we know the woman was a basula? She was a captive and maybe she wasn't. We're not looking to let him off. We don't want to say chot nisker, that he, the woman he happened to pick, he lucked out. Uh, she can't prove she was a basula because she was once in a captive town. So that view was that it's not so much that we're sure that the woman is pure, it's that we don't want to let a chota, a sinner, benefit. That's what we had yesterday. That was Rabbi Yoch- uh, Rabbah's view. But uh, Rabbi Yehuda's view is that, no, we had before, that they may do inappropriate touching, but by and large, you can't assume that the woman lost her purity. That was Rabbi Yehuda's view. And now the Gemara is going to challenge that. V'savra, Rabbi Yehuda, Bikdusha Kaima, does Rabbi Yehuda assume? that the woman is full Kedusha to marry a Kohen and stay married to a Kohen, if that's the case, Vahatanya. Hapodes Hashvuya. Now, a person's a Kohen, uh, and uh, he has money to redeem a captive, and he's also looking for a Shidduch, and he has great bargaining power. Uh, there's a whole group of women, and he can redeem the one that chooses to marry him, right? And so, I mean, that's, you know, he could, that's up to him. So uh, the problem, though, is he must have a woman who's kosher for a Kohen. So the question is, do we trust him that the woman that he redeems, do we have any evidence that she's pure? But, so we learned to follow. Hapoda Esashuya, the one that uh, redeems the captive maiden, if he's a Kohen, he could choose to marry her. And we would believe him to assume that she was not, uh, that she was co-ineligible. Now, what happens if he wasn't the one who redeemed her? He just made Bo, he just testified that he knew he was with her in the city and he knew that she was not made impure. Then he shouldn't be the one to marry her. That's fishy. Meaning the sale, the one who's doing the sale? No, no, not the the one who bought her freedom. Just the one who, uh, Cohen, who happened to declare in front of Basden that he was with this woman and he knew that she was Cohen eligible and he's the one who wants to go marry her. That's suspicious. Yeah. Rabbi Yudas says either way, whether he bought her back or whether he vouched for her, he shouldn't marry her. So now the word's a little confused. For, for last uh, skinny line. Hagufakai is a difficulty. First, you say, that really, he doesn't have to testify. All he has to do is redeem her and yeshena, and he can marry her. 
Vahadr, and then you said he has to testify, but then he can't marry her. So the Lord said, is he worse off because he happened to declare that she was okay? Mishum demade below you said him because he testified that she was pure. Again, it didn't say anything about that. It says that he could redeem her and marry her. And then it says if he testifies or he can't. Well, why is it worse if he redeems her and he declares in front of Basin, I know that she was pure? Hello, Kasha. So Morris said, this is how you have to read the If he redeems her and he testifies her about her that she, uh, he's a Kohen and he bought, buys her freedom. And the Basin says, well, are you sure this woman is okay for you? He says, I'm sure. I, test, I checked into it. I know. I learned. I was there. So uh, he is allowed to marry her. But if he only didn't buy her freedom, then he's not allowed to marry. Maybe Bokadei only testifying Loisen. Uh, and the, uh, we'll, we'll just hold on for a second. But the Morris says, Mikamokam Kashu Rabbi Yehuda. Why do you even need to testify? Rabbi Yehuda said, We assume they're pure. So Amra Papa, Amra Rabbi Yehuda, Amra Benkakam Rabbi Yehuda, you're right. He would say, No matter what, he doesn't, even if he could testify, he doesn't testify. He bought her freedom, he didn't buy her freedom. Rabbi Yehuda says, She is Kohen eligible. So that's one way to learn. They said, um, but it's confusing, this, the, just the way it comes across. If you say that Rabbi Yehuda says that you don't need anything, so then who is it who says that the, that the testimony works, and why would it work? But let's see. Rabbi Yehuda says, The whole thing is in Rabbi Yehuda, and he's trying to win his argument by taking the other side. According to you, the rabbis who were worried that she was impure, Lididi, according to me, ben kaku ben I hold she's pure, any Kohen can marry her. But according to you, ben kaku ben kak, either way, ben kaku ben kak, lo yishana, you shouldn't be allowed to marry her because um, whether he redeems her or whether he testifies if she's impure. So the more says, "Lo yisanami boy." They should say. Um, so why why would the Cohen be believed uh, to marry her if if we assume they're tame? So that's a good point, Rabbanan, and they they explain like this: Hapoda Shua Meidbo. The reason that if somebody pays all that money and redeems her, he can marry her is because of lo shadi inizuzi bikdi. People don't typically throw out their money, uh, meaning that uh, he's a Cohen. And if he redeems this woman because she's a good marriage prospect and he pays all that money, she's not cheap, and, um, uh, and then it turns out somebody testifies that she was assaulted, he'll have to divorce her because Cohen's not allowed to stay married to a woman who had relations with a non-Jew. So therefore we assume that if he spent the money and invested in her, that he would have checked it out a little bit. So the reason... So again, like Reb Yehuda, you don't need any of this. Any, any woman who declares she's pure, we believe she's Bekdushakai. But like those that assume the opposite, they assume the worst, they say their burden of proof is to prove it. So he says that if a Kohen redeemed her, we can assume that he would have checked it out very well before he'd spend all that money. Now what about if he didn't redeem her, he just testified? Then, made Bo Kedi alone, Lo Yisen Hushem ain't of Nasen Bo, Maybe he just testified because his eyes went on her. He, he wanted to marry her. That's the, the other way to learn this. So again, the, the, the real question was, 
there, they, we have Rabbi Yehuda's view that you don't seem to need anything to marry a woman, that she just could say I'm pure. And then you have the other view that you need something. And then the question is, is it enough if he redeems her and, can, and testifies? And uh, would it be enough if he just testified? And uh, what is needed to be believable about this woman? Okay. But he would lie in order to marry her, but he wouldn't spend money in order to marry her. Correct. He wouldn't throw away his money. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Rami Leira, Papa Levi Shmuel, Rabbi So we have a question. So the, the real question this Rabbi Yehuda uh, we're trying to deal with, isn't there a real fear that maybe she was assaulted and, uh, you know, and she's, uh, she's not comfortable saying it or she, didn't, she blacked out or she doesn't know? And, how, you know, are we, aren't we? We're very, very careful with our Kohen lineage. So, Rabbi Yehuda really needs explanation. So does Rabbi Yehuda have a savory Does he hold? There's no problem. Matanya. So let's go to another area of, of halacha, the following. Hagiorish and Isgayer. If a woman converts, Saddam, uh, and she starts bleeding, and she's working in purity foods, uh, meaning that she. Um, we've had this before, that they had, they had special foods. We have special foods, truma and challah, that uh, a woman, the wrong time of the month, isn't supposed to touch. Uh, in fact, Rashi Nechomesh says, sorry, Yimenu, uh, that when the angels came, Hashem sent her, her, her turned her body back on uh, to let her know that she was now going to be able to have a child. But at the same time, she couldn't make the dough because Avramavinu made the dough impurity. So they were... Uh, the story is, though, if a woman all of a sudden starts bleeding and she's been baking in the bakery all day long, uh, been making the bread, so the concern is that she only found out about the impurity uh, <coughs> at a certain time, but it actually left the womb earlier. And the impurity really starts when it leaves the womb, not necessarily when she goes when to the restroom it. and notice when she sees it. So the question over there is, how far back do we have to put the bread and only use it for not the purity foods, for the impure foods? So it says, uh, so, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, a few more years, but we'll be there. Purity yeah. food market. Yeah. So, uh, well, you mean Mashiach will come or you mean the Dafyomi will get there quick? Okay, both. All right. That's right. Yeah, that's all right. Okay. So, I, I, so this woman converts. Now, what's unique about a Gioris, it's just interesting, is that a non-Jew doesn't have Tumas Nida. So she could have worked in purity foods as a non-Jew, uh, but now that she's Jewish, uh, she went to the mikvah, then she, in theory, she's holy, so she has the ability to have the impurity of Nida. So the problem, though, is, when is it that you go back? How far back do you assume? So we had, uh, in the laws of Nida, usually go back 24 hours, but what if she converted 10 hours ago? So... The question is, how far back would you go uh, for to assume that the purity foods are not pure anymore? So Yuda says, Daishaita. He says that a convert is different than a, than a regular woman. A regular woman, if she, we, again, we, we normally, let's say, if you assume that uh, it takes 24 hours for the, uh, the tumba started 24 hours earlier until she notices it. And to be strict, we'll have to put all that bread aside and not use it as purity foods. So, uh, that's regular women. But this woman, who was, hasn't been Jewish that long, so Rabbi Yehuda says, we say, Daishaita. we don't go back. We just start from the moment she notices. Rabbi Yossi says, no, how you could call a nashim. 
And we'll go back 24 hours or to the last time that she checked. So that's one halacha. The next halacha. Uh, a woman, after she's, uh, um, if she's married to one man, and then she would marry a different man, she has to wait three months in between. Because we need to know who the father is. And similarly, if a woman had relations before she was Jewish, and now she's Jewish, we also need to wait three months to know if the child uh, the, was father Jewish or not. So it's Sri Kalahamtan Gimel Kadash in Yura Yehuda. He says that she has to wait three months. Rav Yossi Matela Orisel Nasiminat. He says, no, she's permitted to get engaged and to get married uh, right away. So um, what do we see for here? Um, Uh, so we see, we're assuming here that um, basically the, we, um, we said that the, uh, the captive maidservant, we don't assume that just because she was living amongst the Goyim and she had captors, that she had relations. But the convert, we're assuming that since she was still not Jewish, we make her wait three months. Because we assume that as a goy, she, as a non-Jewish woman, she could have had relations with non-Jews. That's what non-Jews are into, being immoral, and at all times and all places. And all bets are off. So we make her wait three months from the moment of her conversion. But according to Rabbi Yehuda, we don't assume that people... Uh, I, the real question is, are all bets off when it comes to women folk of the non, in the non-Jewish world? So if Rabbi Yehuda says that just because somebody's a captive maiden doesn't mean that, they, that her body was hefker. Whereas over here, we assume that uh, a woman converts. We say no. Until she became Jewish, we assume that, that she could have had relations right before, and we make her wait three months. So which one is it? Do we assume that living amongst non-Jews, a woman's body is hefker, and we have to be suspicious that it's certainly possible that either she had willingly or somebody took advantage of her, or do we not assume? So, Why are you comparing the situation of a woman who converts to the situation of a Jewish woman who's taken captive? Uh, when a woman isn't yet Jewish, she's still enjoying uh, the life of a non-Jewish woman. And just like they might have that last Big Mac before they convert... <laughs> They might uh, do whatever. They might take advantage of uh, no rules before they marry. They don't guard themselves, so they got to wait three months uh, to, in case she got pregnant before she converted. Shvuya. Mm-hmm. They're not worried about a basula mission. Right now, they're not talking about. They're talking about whether she got pregnant or not. Right. That's right. You that's know, right. They're, they're not. They've already gone a basula. Right. Right. Point. Right. Pretty much. But but the real question is. Can a, what, do we assume that the women uh, stay pure if they tell us they did? Or are they living in such a society where, first of all, they themselves don't necessarily are careful, and it's not even up to them because uh, the, the group that they live in takes advantage of them. And so that, that's really the question. So we see by Gioris, we assume, uh, we have to assume, we make them all wait three months just to be sure. So wouldn't we make a captive? So we're saying, no, there's a big difference. A Gioris, she was not Jewish, low minter, and now she, she doesn't necessarily make sure that she uh, didn't get pregnant. Shvuya, minter, and now she, but a, uh, a captive woman, uh, she guards herself. 
But Rami Shvu Yeshua. But let's ask the contradiction about a captive woman. Tanya, we learn a Giras Yeshua Shivka. If they were freed and they were women who were old enough to have had relations, he says they need to wait three months because we assume that living in that society they were damaged, uh, they, that they had relations. Now again, this is the same Rebbe Yehuda who said that we believe them that they don't. That's a contradiction. He said they can get right, married right away. So this is a direct contradiction. Do we assume they had relations? Do we not? Ishtik, he was quiet. Did you hear anything over here? That case where she has to wait three months, we saw that she was compromised. We saw that her captor took advantage of her. So in those cases, you're right, she has to wait three months. But in a case where we didn't see it and she says she wasn't, then we don't. So Amara says, well, if and that so when you see her taken captive, then we assume she we don't assu- we don't assume. But if you see her captor takes her privately and takes advantage of her, then then uh, then all bets are off. That case where we said that you got to wait three months was Shiroi Shinivla. We saw that she had relations. Um, our case where we say she stays in holiness is where we didn't see anything. We just know she was taken captive, but we don't know that someone took advantage of her. So the Gemara says, if, if we know for a fact that that case was someone took advantage, so why does the Rabiosi say she can get married right away? Yuck, my time to Rabiosi. Amarabah, that's for a different reason. Not because we don't believe she had relations, but we believe that she would have used birth control. A woman who, who has uh, uh, relations outside of marriage uses birth control, she doesn't want to get pregnant. So uh, that's why we allow these women, we don't have to wait three months because yeah, we can assume they didn't. Captivity. That's the next question. So, I understand since she knows she's converting and uh, she doesn't want to have a child out of wedlock to bring into her new Jewish life, she'll be careful, you know, because she's, uh, according to that view, so the Morris says, Shuanami, uh, and even a captive maiden, uh, she doesn't know when she'll get her freedom, uh, and she, uh, she'll be careful. Um, but if she's in, that's what I'm saying, but if she's in captivity, where, where's she getting supplies from? Like, uh, she just, so she got so they, they knew how to use a piece of cloth, it seems like, to, uh, for birth control. They knew how to use it to, to prevent pregnancy. So, and the shifka also, how would she know? Her master told her, you're getting your freedom in a few weeks. So, uh, so all of those cases, uh, they, again, we, the, um, we're talking about women that we saw had relations. So these were all active women. And so the question was, according to the view, they don't need to wait three months. Why not? And the answer is that because they knew their situation was changing, they typically would want not to get pregnant. So if uh, uh, we therefore we wouldn't make them get three months if they said they took precautions. Ella, but the Gemara says, well, what about Yotzev Shein Ve'ayin? What about the slave that gets their freedom because they broke a tooth or they popped an eye? The, the halacha is that if a servant is injured, uh, they get their freedom. If a, a maid servant, somebody knocks out her eye or a tooth. So in that case, we made a blanket statement that maid servants, when they get their freedom, can get married right away. There were two opinions. But one opinion said, Rabbi Yossi said they can get married right away. They don't need to wait three months. 
Well, we explained that the other cases where they knew ahead of time, they'll use birth control. But a woman didn't know that the master was going to knock out her tooth. She didn't know that there'd be a work accident at tomorrow and she'd get her freedom. So maybe she would get pregnant. In other words, how would she have known to use pregnancy? The key tema, and maybe you want to say, kol mamela lo, maybe in those cases we do make her wait three months. Omer of Yossi, well, what about the woman who was uh, attacked or the woman who was uh, seduced? They weren't planning on being seduced or attacked. Um, so obviously they didn't use birth control. So why is it they don't need we three months? Yossi permits them to get married right away. So we're having trouble understanding Rav Yossi. Uh, again, Rabbi Yehuda says, no, you've got to wait three months. That's easy to understand. But Rabbi Yossi says, uh, we're not concerned that, they'll, that they were pregnant when they convert. Why not? It's, the real question is, in those societies where we know relations are going on, why aren't we worried for pregnancy like Rabbi Yossi? And so at first we gave an answer that in those cases where they know that they're going to be changing their status soon, they'll be careful. But we said... What about the case where they were raped? They didn't know that they were going to get, uh, that was going to happen. And what about the case uh, where they were injured? They didn't know that was going to happen. They would get their freedom. So, The answer is, he holds that uh, a woman who wants to can even do the morning after pill. They can even do the birth control afterwards. Uh, she can do the flip. She can clean herself out, and, and, and make it sure she doesn't get pregnant. And so, therefore, she won't have to wait three months. So even though she didn't know that she, their situation was going to change, she can do something afterwards to keep that uh, from getting pregnant. Aye, what about the other opinion, then? Why would they make them wait, wait three months? Because she didn't show on hafka yafa yafa. Maybe she didn't master the technique so well. That's the, uh... So, Tosis has a question. Um... Uh, let's see the third tosis from the top. Shvuya minter nafsha. We said that a woman in captivity will make sure she doesn't get pregnant. He says, well, who teaches the young, you know, girl? Like, you know, how would she know how to do that? Like, uh, um, I mean, whatever those techniques are, they've, they've been lost in the last few hundred years. You know, the, 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 um, in, in many societies, the women don't know how to prevent pregnancy. So it's just interesting that the ancients had these techniques that were effective uh, for the most part. Unless you say that their bodies have changed, which you could, you know, could be, could be that they, uh, with a little bit uh, more control. Um, so, uh, let's just skip to his answer. He says, He says that the young girls would typically avoid those situations. They, they don't agree to that. Uh, um, she, uh, um, and he says by the time where it's, it's relevant, they usually know a little bit what to do, you know, that somehow that, that's what Tosa says. Uh, uh, but, uh, but at any rate, uh, that's what the Gemara says. Back to Gemara. So, um, again, we're just dealing with Rabbi Hudu, who says they're pure in some of the contradictions. If they, if they're pregnant, they're not pregnant. Can they avoid pregnancy? Uh, that was the issue. Uh, back to the Gemara. So then we said, So our mission is said, um, so the first halacha was about not having kanas uh, because they don't have basulim, because when a woman is captive, their captors take advantage. That was the first halacha. Reb Yudah said they don't. We don't have to assume that uh, if the woman says she wasn't pure. 
The next halacha was that what happened if the woman who was assaulted was a forbidden relative? And so we say, no, that if, if the person committed a sin, or, or even adultery, if they committed a sin, uh, we don't worry about the payment, we're going to kill them. So whenever you have uh, a death sentence, when the person did something, a deed that's going to get him killed, we're not going to talk to him about paying the penalty for uh, the uh, additional penalty for the assault. We'll just deal with the fact that we'll probably kill him. So, uh, the, and we said, where's that halacha from? So that's the halacha of Kamle Midirabune, and the Mishnah quoted the Pasuk and Shemoth, which we've quoted previously, about the attacking, uh, uh, you know, trying to kill a person, and uh, where we would only, um, basically what happens is, initially he was trying to kill a person, and instead he misses and he hits the pregnant wife, and he causes monetary damage, he's got to pay for the loss of the child. And so we were dealing with, but had he killed someone, he wouldn't pay. So that was the source that we talked about over there, that if, if we're dealing with a capital case, we won't deal with a monetary case. So the Morris says, is that the source of Kamle Midirabine? You only give him one penalty. But what about the famous Pasik, You punish him for a single wickedness. You get him for one wickedness, not two. You deal with the most wicked thing he did. And kill him, but you don't have to deal with a minor thing that he 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 had relations with a forbidden woman, which you know Shem says you kill people like that. Also, he he hurt her. Uh, you know he's going to make it more difficult for her to get a dowry. He caused a loss to the father. That's true, but that particular now the 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 penalty part of it, we're not going to deal with giving him a penalty for that. Let's deal with the fact that we got to kill him, right? So that's that's Kedeshus. So why do we need two? One is, if it's a death sentence and money, he doesn't pay the money. The other is, if it's a lashing and money, he doesn't pay the money. Now, why do you need both? If it was just the case where you kill him and you make him pay, that's because you're going to kill him. So uh, that's, maybe that's good enough. That's, you know, he's praying the supreme penalty. Rashi, Mishum, even Neshama, six lines to the bottom. Yesh kan onish chamer. You know, he's not getting away easy. You know, once we're killing him, you know, maybe that's enough. Uh, let's continue, Rashi. Uh, if he's getting that penalty, maybe you don't need to do anything else. I mean, maybe there's like nothing else. You know, we're, we're taking his life. That's, that's really... An, there's, you can take his money too. Right, that's, that's right. not punishing him. What's he doing with his money anyway? He's not going to have it. It's not going to go to him, right? It's... Yeah. Uh, so let's just deal with that. Avol Malchus and if he's getting lashes, the lekad even Hashem, Emelo, maybe we should do both. Vishmina Malchus and Maman, maybe Mishum de Lochamri Sur. You know why we let him get away with one? Because it wasn't so bad. Avol Misu Maman, but if he did something that he deserves death, maybe we throw in every penalty. So therefore, you need both. You basically, by both cases, you say, come lay Minirabine, give him the worst one. Uh, but what about Remeir, who says loko mishalim? He says that you could get both. So what does he do with both psukim? He, he doesn't use one for lashes and money you don't pay. He says you do whoop him in and make him pay. So one of them is for miso mamen. That he agrees to. And What happens if, you, if in a case where he would be whipped and killed? So you don't do both. You don't have to whip him and kill him. You could you just an, kill him. You have to have an example of Misa and Malchus? Um, I think there are some... I think, 
Um, I think some of them are Miso Melchus. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's right. Yes, wondering out loud. He's just saying that uh, the, first, first you give the Melchus and then you give the Miso. Um, but we were just trying to think which lav it is that you get both, that you get killed and whipped for. Yeah, that definitely. But so what? We have to come up with it. Okay, well. Yeah. We'll try to work on that for homework. Misricha, uh, but you need both. Why would you need both? miso mamon. If you only knew that you don't kill him and make him pay mishum Maybe you don't go to two different departments. You know, one is hitting him in the pocketbook. One is hitting him in the miso malchus. But to whip him and kill him, the I mean, we're giving him a physical punishment. Maybe, maybe we can. As long as we're doing physical, let's do both. Uh, you know what, maybe we're starting to kill him when we whip him. You know, we're going to beat the daylights out of him. We're going to beat well, him until he... No, it's true, because one more whip would have killed him. Would have killed him. So maybe, in other words, going to the payment department and going to the death department, maybe we don't... We're not opening that. We're just sticking to the death department. But maybe Malchus is the way to start the death department. That's what you might think. So, Benevid Babi, Yashmin, Miso... <laughs> um, it's an interesting svara. Yeah, it's an interesting svara. There, there isn't a rashi. Ve'iash, mina miso malchus. And if we only had, you know, whip him and kill him, the tarti begufalo avdinen. Maybe you don't do two body punishments. You just give him one, the worst body punishment. Abu miso mamun. But in a case where there's miso mamun, that's one in his body and one in his pocketbook, so maybe you could do it. So therefore, you need both. Fine. So we've worked everything out. Again, it's, very, it's kind of nice to finish up because we've really had this all along, uh, talking about the, that there is this concept of giving one punishment. And we have the two sets of verses, one by Asan and one by Kadei So, And we've had two opinions about when you say, come lay min rabbine, give him only the worst punishment. And so we uh, explained why you need both. Uh, and even like the view... Yeah, mm-hmm. Distinguishing between Maman and Knas, or we're not distinguishing about that anymore? Not here, not here. Okay. Um, yeah, the Argomar didn't go into We had gone into that previously. That maybe there's a difference between Knas and Maman. And it's somewhat relevant because we thought maybe you kill him and make him pay, and we're saying you don't. So the Gemara now wants to deal with a few psukim that see how they fit into the picture. They're not really kamle minerabine psukim, but they're about where somebody's going to be killed, and it talks about taking money. So we just want to know what we do with those. So here's the first of them. Velotiku kofer, don't take a payment, lenefesh rotzeach, to spare the murder. In other words, what, let's say... Um, you have a wealthy guy who says, you know, be ashamed to kill me. I could give you all this money, you know, and you said that you're not going to take my money. You just kill me. How about if you take my money? Yeah, I'm sure the uh, people would be very happy to take my money. So uh, the Torah says no. So why do you need that Pusik? It should be obvious that we kill somebody. We don't even kill them and take their money. We don't even do both. Of course we don't take their money. So why do we need to say it? So what it means to say is that we don't take money. There's no kind of bribe. You can't buy uh, the freedom. 
uh, let's see the top Rashi. Um, it's an answer. Uh, it doesn't mean you do both. That there's no such thing as buying uh, buying your way out of a chiyav misa. That's the way he learned. Okay, back to the mark. Now here's a different pasuk. What if he killed by mistake? It says then he shouldn't take. We don't take money to allow him not to run away to the city of refuge. Lamali, why do we need that pasuk? Why do we need? Um, it's, it's telling us well maybe not to kill him. You can't take money, but in order that he doesn't have to run the golas, maybe you could take money. And uh, there is a view that the Gullus is really a, a favor to him because he's worried about the blood avengers. He's worried about the Goladam. And so we, we put that there for his benefit. Uh, what happens if he says, I got my own bodyguards, I'm not worried about the Goladam, I don't want to run there. We say, no, the Torah says he has to go there, even if it's not to his, you know, that's what he's got to do. So, but what if he wants to pay? Uh, to get out of it. So maybe the, the Torah says he has to have a punishment uh, to learn his lesson. Well, maybe if he pays lots of money, he'll learn his lesson. So, Kamash that no, we don't allow substitutes. Money can't buy your way out of a death sentence, and money can't buy your way out of a gullus. Why do we need both? Uh, one is when he killed by mistake, and one is when he killed on purpose. You need both. If you told me he can't buy his way when he killed on purpose, because what he did was so bad that, you know, you can't let him buy his freedom. But maybe he made a mistake anyways. What he did wasn't so bad. Maybe we'll take the money. People want to find a reason to take the money. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it, it, it suits them better to get all that money. And if you said, uh, that you would say, um, the... Um, uh, the reason the uh, we don't take the money is that we're not killing him, so it, it, we we're not we don't need to save his life over here. So we're not looking for a way to redeem himself. He'll just go to Gullus. Why do why do we need to take money to save him from something? Avo Maisie, when he did it on purpose, where we're going to take his life, maybe this is a better solution. Aim low, so therefore sweet. We need both. Okay, fine. So again, we where these are uh, verses talking about people getting a death sentence. And money, and so we said before that you never get money, so we're explaining that maybe the guy wanted to buy his way out, and so we're saying that we don't let him buy his way out. Next, and this is another Pusik. It says the land won't get atonement for the blood that was spilled. What do we do with that? Why is it talking about that uh, Pusik? Um, they were talking about Egla Rufa, where uh, somebody, um, the uh, it, it's uh, they're saying that the, there's no atonement, um, that we, we've got to catch the murderer over there, that, that it can't be atoned for. That, that, that when somebody's murdered, that we have to, uh, the basin has to catch the person and work to make sure that people are safe. Why do we need that person? So, we use it for the following. What do you do if you went through the whole Egla Rufa ceremony and you cut the neck of the young cow? And then you find the murderer. And you might say, well, we already took care of this. We got atonement already. So how do you know you don't let him go? No, we didn't get an atonement yet. This is, this is really atoning for the community 
to to uh, make sure that they took care of uh, that they took care of the safety of the city. But uh, so fine, that's how we explain that verse. What about Vata Taver Adam that you will remove the innocent blood? What is that pasuk meaning? Me boylik had it for the falik. Menayin lemusim besayif. Some people they get the death sentence of the sword. So how do you know where they get the sword? How do you know that it's from the neck? I mean, once you kill him with the sword, maybe wherever the swordsman wants to do it, you know. Um, how do you know it's from the uh, the neck? Maybe it could be uh, somewhere else. But you should remove it. We compare people that spill blood to the way we uh, we spill the blood of the cow over there. My Lahulan, just like over there, that was done only on the neck. Also, people that are, are being killed for killing, that, that we do that also uh, from the neck. So the Morris said, well, over there, it's the back of the neck, and it's done with a hatchet. So maybe that's how we, my Lahulan, the Kofits, over there we use a hatchet on that cow, umamul, or for it's the back of the neck, afkan b'chavitz more. Maybe that's how Mises based in with this, don't use a sword, use a hatchet and get from the back of the neck. So this is a fascinating teaching that we've had in other places. It says you should love your fellow man. We, uh, you know, we, we try to execute him. <laughs> Let's kill him nicely, as you say. Like, it, it's, it's not as pleasant to die through the back of the neck as it is the front of the neck. And uh, therefore, we, uh, that w- what's very fascinating here is that the mitzvah of loving your fellow man even applies to a murderer. And now, in loving him doesn't mean we let him off from being killed. He needs to be killed. But uh, we still choose the best way to kill him. That's, uh, it's just a fascinating uh, concept that sometimes you have to be angry at a person. He, he did something wrong, and you have to, uh, have to do what you need to do. But that means you don't, it doesn't mean you don't love him. All the other mitzvahs uh, apply. That doesn't allow you to... Uh, be mad at him in other ways. It's it's very specific. There, if to the murderer, there I have to wake up. Kamoka applies. Here's Rashi: Misa Yafa Vesayif, Mitzadet Simanim, and you should kill him by the neck in the front. Shiyamus Mahir that he should die quickly. So there is a Tosfos. It doesn't say. Um, I don't. Th- I, it doesn't say. Um, do you have a theory about that? Um, I don't know. Um, but there is one tosus here. Let's take a quick look. Barlo Misa Yafa, you choose a good death. From here, you can't say you would know from the neck to eat. So, what's the Gemara asking? You should stab him somewhere else. Why don't we say the neck is the only way? If you did it in the heart, it's also not beautiful. <laughs> That's good. Eating it happens quickly. quickly. Yeah, if you did it in the heart, it's also, you know. Let's say, yeah. Okay, back to the Gemara. So, uh, so now we have another puzzle. I didn't answer your question. See, I don't know the answer. His question was, where, where you kill him with the sword, is, uh, are you, do you have to, shkita is a cutting motion where you go back and forth. Could it be a chopping motion that's like quicker? The mission is not answered. Oh, okay. Uh, exactly the cutting motion, I see. Okay, back to the mark. So, he said it's a mission in Sanhedrin that deals with that. It says over there also that you can't redeem yourself. Why do we need that pasuk? 
Miboil, we use that for a following. What happens if they're taking a guy out to be killed? And somebody says, So a person, people always like to pretend that they're wealthy. And so uh, he knows that another person's life is worthless because he knows he's on death row, but not everybody knows. And you want to pretend that you're a very charitable person. And you say, I'm going to give his value to the base Hamigdash, Erchi People say, wow, such a wealthy... And, and you happen to know that the guy that you said it on is on death row. So, Menayin Shalomar, Klum Shalomar, how do you know that Shalomar Klum, that he didn't, he basically doesn't have to pay anything because that guy is worthless. He's a worthless good for nothing. It says he doesn't have to redeem it. So, if that's true, Afkon Mishkemar Din. What if he said it before they finished the judgment, before they declared him on death row? It's got to be after death row. He says that even if he's on death row and he's worthless, he's not worthless. He still has a value for Eric. Because it doesn't go by this person, it goes by the age of that person. In other words, he's a person who's a human who would, he, he, he would still have to pay. The joke's on this guy. He thought he would get out of it. It, it won't matter. There's another answer to that joke. I mean, don't, don't, even if you're on death row, don't aid, won't they always, for Misa, don't they always open up a case in case we want Aiden comes? In other words, you okay. don't know for a fact. Right. He could have, you know, two Aiden can still come. Yeah. And they'll reopen the case. And Right, but uh, you're saying that might be his reason. I don't know. He's gotten to you know, three Yomim Tovim to pay. Right. If there's a yeah. Quick. Right. But according to that view, um, according to that view, that he does have a value. So then, what do we use the pasuk for? Again, we we have these psukim that talk about money for death, and we're confused about what they're being used for. So those people that have a heavenly death, they can give money. They are, can give tzedakah and get an atonement. They can get an atonement. There is a concept of giving um, uh, atonement for a sin of giving lots of tzedakah. So I would have thought, Bidei Adam Cain also, if, if a person uh, had a human, I only know if he's getting a really bad misa. That they that if he did it by mistake, there's no you don't even get to bring a chatos. But what about if it's a lesser misa, um, and you know it's a lesser punishment because if you did it by mistake, you could bring a sin offering and get atonement. So maybe uh, the uh, we see that there's a process of atonement. Maybe you could pay your way out. Uh, that it says kocherim. So Umar said, but didn't we have that before that we don't take money to let you out? We'll love uh, so we'll have to leave that for tomorrow. We'll keep you waiting. Um, again, we have these few psukim that say that when people are going to be executed, there really isn't a way to buy their way out. And we're trying to show why we need these multiple psukim.